0: Hey everyone. Hey guys.
1: I'm Liza and I'm Rist. And this is
0: the Little Sleep Much Reading Podcast. <laughs>
1: Finally, from so little sleeping really beautiful. and so much Thank reading, I am a singer. his brain dried up uh, lit and he New went completely for now for to be on the Voice. Me, out of his mind. I'm so excited. I've never watched
0: The Voice before in my life. I'm gonna watch it now.
1: I and we're only really watching it for him. I like, wait, is Kelly Clarkson on it? Yeah, I do like Kelly Clarkson. I don't like Blake Shelton. I don't like I, Blake Shelton. I don't, I don't like Chance the Rapper because he, like, his, he used to be cool, but now he makes, like, Christian rap, which is just not my really speed. Yeah, I don't like that. Um, was he Miley Cyrus on that show for a hot minute? I think she was. Adam Levine used to be on it. Guillotine. Guillotine. Christina. No, not Christina. Gwen Stefani used to be on it. John Legend used to be on it.
0: Speaking of Nile, yeah, who is sometimes Daddy yeah. <laughs> what, what is what what's the theme for this week? It's
1: not daddies, not daddies. It is mommies, Mommies. mommies, mothers, matriarchs. And it's so specifically mother horror, is it not? It is. it is. Which is a thing that we love. Too much sometimes. One time you did some like psychoanalysis of mother horror that like blew my mind. Did I? Yeah.
0: Was it when we were talking about Stephen King?
1: It could have been. Also though in our ghost class, in our ghost in the machine class. Yeah, that class was so good. You, like, sent us an article about mothers. Yeah. Yes, I did. And it was, like, really cool. Why is my brain not being able to retrieve any of the information from the article anymore? Do you remember what it was about? No,
0: but I know as soon as I see the title, I remember what it's about. Let me see if I can find it. But yeah, that was a really cool
1: class. It was a really fucking cool class. Um, Your psychoanalysis of Stephen King mothers is weird too, though, in like a good way. Because it's just a weird topic. Like it's. And like magic mothers as well. Like the mom in Carrie. Mm hmm. The oppressive mother is a theme. It's also interesting. Was your book written by a woman or a man? A woman. Mine too. And I think that there's two different kinds of mother horror. There is that mother horror that is written by a woman. And there is mother horror that is written by a man. And they're very different because mother horror that is written by a woman is more often than not either alien imagery of a foreign object in a place it shouldn't be, like, growing and stealing, like, energy from the source, mm-hmm. which is the act of motherhood or the, like, oppressive mother monster figure. Whereas when men do it, it is more often, I'm not saying it's all m- horror written by men that has to do with mothers but it will often take on Oedipus Rex Freud weird thing and I'm like this is something we should psychoanalyze in the first place because what's going on what's going on
0: there something real icky something Uh, do you have your your chart pulled up I do I just I put the link at the bottom of your chart oh god bless you um Why is new fiction making mothers into
1: monsters? Oh, yes, yes. This is very cool. Dehumanizing, how dehumanizing motherhood can be. Which is interesting. Oh my god, yeah, yellow wallpaper. That would be another fun idea for an episode, Bad Babies. Bad Babies, Rosemary's Baby, Baby Teeth. Um. Oh, Orange World, too. We read Orange World, and we were like, what the fuck? I haven't read, the, I have the full book, but I only read the, we only
0: read the one story. And I think about that all the, I, I now frame my life in Orange World. I love that and it like as a
1: as a lady as a female it works it works and and i'm glad this article also brought up night bitch because i was going to bring that up of the mother who is a monster the mother who turns into a monster like not even necessarily of her own like like the mother is not the monster in an antagonist way but in a in a protagonist way which is also very cool yeah I also think whenever we're talking about mother horror we have to talk about Medea yes like how do you not <laughs> Oops. did you have to watch that version of Medea in your horror class yes Oh my God. I still, I think about that all the time. Was that the first time you'd ever seen it? That was the first time I ever seen that movie. Yes. So I had read Medea previously. I had not. Oh, okay. So I had interacted with Medea once or twice, but I had never seen that movie. And that movie, yo, that shit fucked me up, bro. That was crazy. Let's actually get the version so that we can tell people which one that was. Um, it's gotta be this one, right? Nineteen nine, nineteen sixty nine. It was old. It's gotta be that one. No, it's different. Oh, which one was it? Every all the ones coming up are the freaking Medea. Like, oh, is it this one? Medea 1988? Yes, yes,
0: 1988 really. Yes, wow. I thought it was earlier than
1: that. And oh, that shit was fucked. And she, like, hangs her kids instead of stabs them. And then the scene where Jason is just riding around on his horse screaming for, like, 10 minutes. That's what'll stick with me, bro. Forever. Forever. I, I, yeah, I think we don't get mother horror without medea and i
0: was gonna say i want a new retelling of medea but they're all new retellings of medea they're
1: all medea even probably sharp objects
0: yes yeah in a more
1: disconnected way yes yes and same with my book like it's like it's all Medea. <laughs> and that's the end of that. Like it just it.
0: Nothing is original. Everything is the same stories told over and over and over.
1: Which we do kind of love.
0: Like Oh, I love it. I eat it. it up.
1: We eat it. We gobble it.
0: Because then you have something like Night Bitch. Right. Where like that is so original, but it but like it it can't ever be you know what I mean?
1: Right. Oh, Literature is so cool.
0: It's lovely. I just love it.
1: It's lovely. And I love the idea, too, of the alien. The concept of the alien as pregnancy. Like... And also being a mother, being turned into a mother is being turned into, like, a thing, which freaks me out, too. Because you're no longer, like, one person, right? You're turned, you're a person, and then you become a mother, and you're turned into a thing, in a way.
0: You're, like, you're just, like, a vessel.
1: Right. And that's so fucking scary. Like, that's so fuck. But it's so cool. I think about Alien a lot as well. Like the actual movie Alien. Um, Which you could say that a lot of stuff since that movie bases itself on that. Yeah. I think. I do think you can't talk about mother horror either without talking about, unfortunately, Oedipus Rex and Freud and, I mean, we were already, you guys weren't here, but we were talking about how everything is Shakespeare, right? Like, Gertrude and Hamlet, right? Like, that's just Oedipus Rex. And then everything after that is just Gertrude and Hamlet. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which is a horror in and of itself. You'll also never be as close to anything, like, physically as you were to your mother. Because you were inside your mother. Hate that. Hate that. That's fucking scary. You were in your mom... And your mom was in her
0: mom. Wow. I just had a really sad, morbid thought. What? My mom, like the most time my mom ever spent with her mom was when she was inside her.
1: And that's probably true for like a lot. I mean, it is. It's not probably true. It is true for a lot of people. That's insane. That's insane. A lot of people, because your mother is your mother, but it's not your mom too, which is the other interesting thing Yeah, to think about. Because I think when we look at mothers in horror, a lot of the time they're mothers, but they're not moms. So people who own, didn't know their mom other than when they were in their, didn't know their mother other than when they were in their mother, that's a different entity than it is to their mom if they have one.
0: And do you ever think about your life and like, have you always called your mom, mom? Yeah. I switched well, no. around when I went to like college, like senior
1: year of high school, I started calling my mom, mama. Well, I was gonna say, I haven't always called her mom. I thought you just meant like, I don't know what I thought you meant. I feel like I used to call her mommy actually, which is like, I know it sounds weird when like adults say it, but I genuinely just like, that's how it comes out. Right. I refer to her as my mom. But I call her mommy or mama, usually. Isn't that weird? Which is weird. Yeah. I, (laughs) can I say something else funny? Yeah. This goes always back to how we're like, the girls are allowed to do everything and the boys are allowed to do nothing. I call my mom, mommy a lot. And I call my dad, daddy a lot. But if a boy called his mom, mommy, and his dad, daddy, what would you do? What would you do?
0: (laughs) I would get the ick so fast. Right? So fast.
1: Um, Yeah, no. A man calling his mom. No. A grown man calling his mom, mommy, like in front of you. I would be thoroughly confused. You'd be so confused. Whereas mama's not quite the same. Mm Mm-mm. There that doesn't bother me.
0: No, mommy's different.
1: Like I feel like a lot of boys will do mama and dad. Mm-hmm. Most boys don't call their dad daddy, but that would be fucking funny too.
0: No, I've always called my dad dad. Yeah. Occasionally, I call him sir, but like just to be silly.
1: Right. I mean, yeah, I'll call my parents really funny stuff just to be silly. Um but I don't call them yeah I mean sometimes I'll even call them by their first names but not in like a offensive way because when I'm I was not a kid, to do that. yeah no yeah would you ever go to somebody's house when you were a kid and they would like call their mom like her first name and you'd be like what the fuck do I do now my best friend growing up called his mom
0: Susan what the shit <laughs> like he would call him because like we lived on the same street so she'd be like Riley, it's time to come home. And he'd be like, coming, Susan. And I would literally be like, you're about to get beat.
1: Yo, literally. He's
0: about to beat you up.
1: No, literally. That's fucking funny. No. Yeah, if I ever called them, like, I just wouldn't be able to call them, like, their full name. Like, I could call them nicknames of their names, like, as a joke. But if I called them just their regular name, that'd be so weird. Mm Mm-hmm that's what i mean about the parent becoming a thing because to you your parent is your that's mom and dad yeah they're not anything else which is like kind of morbid to take that personhood away from somebody to begin with
0: yeah and like now that you're getting old it's like you're more independent of them and you're suddenly like wait my parents have other connections but like, right. my parents have parents,
1: right? They're they are their son and daughter, right? They're kids. They're somebody's kids, Weird. and they were like they were like people before they had you, right? It's just, it's really fucking life is crazy. I don't like it. No, it freaks me out. It freaks me out. Um, but hey, what book
0: did you read? Uh, You know, my book is a mystery thriller, which I totally understand. But, like, there's such a fine line between mystery thriller and horror a lot of times. Yeah. And, like, so I read Gillian Flynn's Sharp Objects. Okay. If you've seen the show, I feel like the show, while it is, like, horrific in many ways, it feels crime thriller, whereas reading the book,
1: the book felt more horror to me, which is interesting. really interesting. What you read? I read Mother Thing by Ainsley Hogarth. This is a relatively new book. Um, The cover is phenomenal. We love it. And this we, when I worked at the bookstore, we kept this on the horror table but this is probably just literary fiction technically but it was horrific and it's one of those weird books where honest to god no clue whether what was happening was psychological or supernatural I couldn't tell you got it and I do love that kind of book because I think you can swing it either way and it doesn't really change the content of the book, but it does kind of change the way you think about the characters and what they did or didn't do.
0: That's interesting because it is it is coded horror. It's in our horror section,
1: so, but I'm like, I wonder why. Think towards it being literary fiction, literary fiction because. I really think that a logical person, somebody who thinks with their left brain, is that what it is, could read this and be like, oh, it's psychological.
0: Right. I think the the reason why I'm like confused about that is because if it can be literary fiction, I don't know why the publishers wouldn't have pushed for it to be fiction. Because right. that's going to sell more than horror is going to sell.
1: So that means they must have pushed for it to be horror.
0: Right. Isn't that
1: interesting? Why would they do that? Right. And that probably means the author said, no, it's horror. Maybe. We don't know. And we never know how much the author actually has a hand in where the book ends up. Because when I worked at the bookstore too, I had authors come in and be like, I couldn't find my book. And I'm like, oh, it's in this section. And they're like, that's fucking weird. And I'm like, that's what it's coded as. That happened to me once or twice. And I was like, oh. Sorry, so I don't think they have a lot of say in where the book ends up either. Interesting. Um, hey, who wants to go first? It's up to you. Who went first last time?
0: I don't remember what I read last time.
1: Oh. I went first last time. It was Jewish Book Week.
0: Lovely. I can go first. Woo-hoo! Um Okay. So I yeah, I read Star Objects. Have you guys read or have you guys seen the, the show? It's really good. If you haven't seen the show, watch the show. Um it's Amy Adams. We friggin' love Amy Adams. We stand. Um and it is like oh, it is very southern gothic. I didn't realize that until just now. Um very southern gothic. Yeah. This copy is technically a Mass Market paperback, one of the tall ones, and I friggin' hate Mass Market paperbacks. But I got this at a thrift store years ago, so it worked. And honestly, I flew through this book. Um, It is 393 pages long, so it's almost 400 pages, but the font is a decent size, and I read it maybe three days. So that's wild. Um, So for readability, I gave it an 8. Could not put it down, wanted to keep reading it. And I think having seen the show before the movie might have helped because I was really excited to get to the end and see how that happened um, in the book. But still, the book was great and I still wanted to read the book for it being the book, if that made sense. So for language and style, I gave it a six. Mainly because it feels very... Like I said, crime fiction in, I'm going to, how do I explain this? If like her writing feels crime fiction, it feels straightforward. It feels to the point. Crime fiction is not my favorite, by the way. But the reason why it dips into horror is because she'll just go on, she'll just give you little tidbits of information that I'm like, that's absolutely horrific. Like, at one point, she just starts talking about, and this has nothing to do with anything in the book. I mean, like, it it has to do with a case that her newspaper covered a year ago. But she's like, yeah, there was a case we were doing last year where some guy in Seattle was just um, carving up pregnant women and taking their babies out. And then just moves on starts telling the rest of the story. And she does that with, like, multiple different things. She just, like, hey, by the way, like, this horrible thing happened and blah, blah, but here's the rest of the story. I'm like, okay. So that's very horror to me. Um, if you don't know, this book is about a young reporter who ha- is sent back to her hometown because children, little girls, are disappearing and then being turned up with all their teeth pulled out um and so she's sent back to cover the story but her house isn't really a great place to be um her younger sister died when she was when they were kids and she has a new stepsister now and her mother is just like abusive southern mom But worse. Um, So. Yeah. I think the only reason. So like I said. I gave language and style a six. The only reason. I'm like iffy about that. Like I would. I might bump it up to a seven or an eight. Because the main character. It's written in first person. And Camille is just like. Short. She's short and she's just very blunt about things. And there's like this weird thing happening where like her mom is overly polite and super like, she's just a Southern lady. And Camille's so not like that. I think that there's, and, and you could tell, there's this weird thing about her where even though she's very like walled up, you could tell that she wants her mom to like her in some weird way. And she still craves that from her mother. And you start to feel that. So I don't really know if it's attributed to language and style or if I would attribute it to characterization. But either way, you just really start to feel these things that Camille feels. um, And it's interesting. The other really interesting thing that she does is Camille has, I don't, I'm, I'm trying to explain this without spoiling things, but Camille has flashes of words that'll just pop up. So she'll get like, something will be happening and she'll get like a flash of a word start to like burn. And it's interesting because sometimes it doesn't even fully, it's not like an obvious connection to the scene. You'll have to kind of be like, oh, that's an interesting way to look at it. Um, So I really like that form nothing for form poop and peep form for shelf worthy slash read again I give this an eight I think that if you like crime fiction you should read it if you like mother horror you should read it if you like regular horror I would say maybe you should read it but it's not you know nothing supernatural nothing paranormal nothing no creatures no weird things it's just like life it's just like real life horror Um, so if you're into that kind of thing, definitely read it. Gillian Flynn is definitely one of the big names in mystery thrillers. She is, um, author of Gone Girl, which I haven't read. Everyone loves, everyone loves the movie, all that fun stuff. So I would say she's definitely someone to have read. If you haven't read her before, find a book and read it. And I would say either Sharp Objects or Gone Girl is going to be your best bet. Am I going to keep it on the shelf? Yes, because I actually really, really loved this book. Um, And it made me want to rip my soul out of my body and wash it. Um, Will I read it again? I actually can see myself reading this again. I wouldn't read it anytime soon, but maybe in like five years from now, I'm like, hey, I'm itching for that type of horrific feeling again I think I should read this book again I will probably do that for plot nine this plot is so friggin good no loose ends it's not predictable certainly not things happen that will certainly blindside you and be like what the frig um And honestly, I think that is due to things being revealed at a much slower pace. Like, you don't find out. Like, you find out that her sister died in the beginning, but not, like, right in the beginning. And I think that's an interesting way to keep it from being predictable. Because if new things are new big things to the character to the plot are being revealed at a slower pace you have less time to think about it and you're more distracted by the new things that you're learning and so therefore you don't think about the full picture as much until you're suddenly rushing towards the end um I also really appreciate, again, I don't really read crime fiction a lot. It's not my favorite. And I think that's because a lot of times crime fiction comes from a male, angry, drunk detective. And this book offers it in a different way, which is really interesting. And it's really like this girl exploring her past and her relationships with her family and with the town that she came from. That's really effed up and terrible um yeah for characterization i gave it a seven i one thing i really like about this book is there is like almost an ongoing conversation about um rich and poor in one town and old money and new money in one town and the way that she shows that through characters is really nice and feels realistic, which I appreciate. And the way that you show this one person coming back to their town where they no longer fit in any of these places, also super interesting. Um, also fun fact for Liza, cause she's gonna love this. So Camille comes from a rich family and her, mon- her mom is rich. She's never worked a day in her life. But she's rich because her parents owned a pig farm, which they passed down to her. And so she has, like, a pig farm with meat and everything. And there's, like, a weird pig scene. <laughs> and I did not like it. I did not like it one bit. Pigs. We do not like pigs
1: now i have to read it because like even though i hate pigs i really like to be scared of them it's like
0: one small part but i literally read it and like kept thinking about it for the rest of the book because it's vague so like you don't like two things could be happening and either thing that happens is equally disturbing Uh uh-huh it's fun it's nice it's silly goofy um but yeah so that's pretty much how i feel about sharp objects although i do want to dip into this mother horror a little bit so how do i uh this is like southern mom to the max and then somehow times that by a thousand okay. Uh, she is just and there's also something where like the mom in this book keeps comparing Camille to her mom, and she doesn't like her mom, and Camille doesn't like her, and then Camille's stepsister has this weird fascination with their mom, but also almost like a hatred for her. Um, I'm trying to think what her name is, and I don't know why I can't think of it right now. The mom's name is Adora. And the daughter's name is... It also starts with an A. Liza, it's gonna bother me. What the hell? Emma. Her name's Emma.
1: Emma yeah, like A-M-M-A?
0: Yeah. That's a cool name. Her- it's actually amity
1: oh that's Which really fucking cool yeah
0: but Emma, and she is 13 years old and she's got huge friggin' boobs they mention it literally every two pages that her boobs are enormous for a 13 year old and it's like when she's home with the mom she's dressed in like beautiful little sundresses and matching hats and She's all combed and beautiful like a doll. And then when she goes out with her friends, she's wearing like mini skirts and doing drugs and hanging out with boys and being wild and crazy. And and when she's home and she's like in her little doll face, she's got like a house that's a replica of their house. And every, she like makes sure everything is absolutely to a T perfect about it.
1: Okay, that's fucking scary.
0: Yeah, she's like weirdly obsessed with their mom but also like hates her and like calls calls her Adora and like she had this really good quote in there where it was like I'm never going to remember what it is. I should start writing things down. Um but you know, you know what I don't do? Write things down. Karen I don't know, she had some kind of good quote that was like, sometimes like, I'm not going to say it because I'm going to butcher it. Either way, great book, really weird, really mom, the mom is really, really scary. And there were times when I was reading this book where I wanted to go curl up and lay in bed with my mom.
1: Moms. Moms. I know. Like, also, safe to say, I think, whenever Marissa and I are analyzing these like terrible moms in these books, um, we love our moms. <laughs> our yes. moms slay. Very sorry if you have a mom that it, you do relate to these books. Uh, we're here for I, you. My mom had a bad mom. So did mine. And she still knows how to be a mom. Isn't that wild? Who did mine? I There's gotta be some sort of science behind that too. Because my mom's mom's excuse is that she had a bad mom. She's like, I had a bad mom. So sometimes I say the wrong thing. And I'm like, well, my mom had a bad mom and she never says the wrong thing.
0: So... That generation. Because like, I think Diane's mom was crazy, so...
1: Right, right. It is, it's an older generation thing. But also just because somebody has a terrible mother doesn't mean that they don't love their mother and also like almost seek their mother's approval even more than somebody who has a good relationship with their mother yes which could be seen in your book I think and definitely in my book no doubt yeah and that's an aspect of mother horror too like that sort of manipulation that occurs when you have a bad mother it's still your mother it's still your mother and it's horrible and you're like your mom is the person that's supposed to like love you unconditionally Mm -hmm. and so because of that you look up to them almost unconditionally so that's why you want to seek their approval so much and that's why it like fucks people up yeah when they have a bad mother it's really weird
0: very strange my mom doesn't talk to her mom
1: yeah they there she slayed on that one it's how's your blueberry pizza
0: it's so good
1: i want to eat it come to buffalo we will buy it for you i'm running there right now as we speak it snowed here by the way did it snow there
0: yes yeah, like crazy
1: yeah, it's not that bad here. It's probably like an inch here. I hate the snow. Go away. I know. I'm ready for summer. Um, Your mom, speaking of moms, I love Maria. She posted, no, she tagged me in a comment on the Aruba, like, tourism Instagram. And so I followed the Aruba tourism Instagram. And now every time they post something, I'm like, oh, I want to be there.
0: Speaking of my mom, she just texted me.
1: Oh my god, we're super fast,
0: my queen. She's wild, but um, yeah, she wants to go to Aruba real bad, Liza. i I'm, We're gonna go. We
1: if if Maria wants to go, we have to fulfill her wants. No, we don't have a choice. No. I think we should start probably looking at plane tickets.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: For what, like June?
0: Yeah, either early, either
1: like mid-May to mid-June, I think. Okay, I'll start looking. Um, Because I'm going, bitch. Schlaz is in. Schlaz is in. Count me in. Favorite place. You think Chief would go this time?
0: Kind of, yeah.
1: Chief!
0: Chief, 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 Chief. Chief.
1: Um, Funny that dad horror is not as much of a thing.
0: No. If it's dad horror, the dad's just not there.
1: Yeah. Interesting. Because there's dads in horror the dad is not the antagonist as much as often as the mother is weirdly enough i would say mapping the interior Mm -hmm. is dad horror
0: but the dad is like dead he's dead and the son is being like haunted by him kind of right okay but again that's like absent father that's how it's different because
1: also let's jump back to hamlet right We get, we villainize Gertrude because she ended up with her ex-husband's brother trying to get the throne, but the hero of that story in many ways is the ghost of the father who has passed, and then, so even when the father is dead, he's a hero. Mm Mm-hmm. Then I'm thinking about other horror, right? Let's look at two new examples. The Last of Us and The Road. The father figure is the hero.
0: Right, and the horror in that is almost that. Can he still be the father? Can he still provide? Can he still protect? Right.
1: So what the fuck is going on? Women be like...
0: Like I can't think of a. Sucking single... the life out of their kids, and that's women horror, and, and the dad's just like, "Can I still,
1: can I still protect my family? Am I right. still here?" There's something deeply like fucked up about that.
0: There... Me and like, about to write the best daddy horror book you guys have ever read.
1: I know. That'd be funny. I don't even know what. I mean, there's so many things you can do. Yeah. Um. That's another one though. I love my dad. (laughs) Like I can't love him. We love, we love our dads. We love our moms. Um, so yeah, it definitely have to. Lexi has a really scary story where the dad is really freaky. Mm. Remember that one?
0: The house guest. Oh, the house guest—that's that a good one. Also, Amityville reads very dad horror.
1: That's even though right. that's
0: the brother, but no, so maybe not gonna... abuse abusive dads. But
1: also, would we call Midnight Mass dad horror because he came back low key just to be close to his daughter? Kind of, yeah. Because he was like, I want to be young again and give people this serum because I want to try again to be a dad. But obviously that didn't work out. No. Also, the dad in Hill House, the show, is kind of horrific. They try to make him a hero, but there's something about him that, like, makes me really upset.
0: Yes. I don't know what exactly it is. But yeah, it's, it's like he's, I don't know. It's like he knows what's what's happening, but he's still so friggin unaware, which is such a dad thing.
1: And exactly. And there's also sort of like a what's the word I'm looking for? Like, I'm sort of This isn't the right word. I'm still trying to think of the right word. But, like, you're sort of, like, humiliated by him. Like, he's, like, a humiliating character. Yeah. And that is something that you don't really see with mothers. But you do see with fathers. Mm -hmm. So it would be a type of horror that is, like, the opposite of when you see someone like Joel, right, in The Last of Us, who's like, can I still... Be a dad and protect people in the apocalypse. Like here you have a father who failed to protect a family. And that weak society weakness that we perceive as a society makes you really uncomfortable also, I just thought of this. Mm-hmm. Did you watch Barbarian? No, but there is a mommy in that.
0: <laughs> I think I'm willing to argue. Barbarian is presented as mommy horror, but it's actually daddy horror.
1: (gasps) Now I got to watch it.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I do Mm -hmm. want to watch it. I do want to watch it. Another horror movie that has more of the idea of Last of Us and The Road is Train to Busan. Haven't seen it. Like, there's all these movies where these dads are trying to protect their kids in a horrific situation, but there's actually not that many movies where moms are trying to protect their kids in a horrific situation. Yeah. Which is weird.
0: Bird Box, kind of.
1: Bird Box, that's a good one. Yeah, it's just weird. Life is weird. Horror patterns are weird. Um. much to think about I goes for a mother thing mother thing um yeah so this book was amazing I loved it one of my favorite books I've read in a while um basically at the beginning of the story I'll read you the first line because it's actually really fucking cool um the night Ralph's mother flayed her forearms, a woman in a red dress handed him a business card. First sentence. What? I read, I said, girl, this is a for a treat. Um, so yeah, basically the premise of this book is it's a married couple and the mother, the our main character, her name is Abby. Her mother-in-law kills herself at the very beginning of the book. She kills herself in their house in the basement. Um, they take her to the hospital, and the hospital is unable to save her, and she's dead. Um, basically, what unfolds after that is how each portion of this couple is dealing with the death of Laura, the mother. It obviously is a little bit of a satire on like crazy in-laws because like, obviously we know like that's like a societal joke. Um, But it's also a very real thing. And Abby always felt really judged by Laura and like she wasn't good enough for Ralph. Um, And obviously Laura would just say horrible things to her. But the other weird thing is that like Ralph didn't really, he loved his mother, but she was a bad mom, right? She said, did horrible things, as did Abby's mom, who's not in the story at all. She's only referenced to. Um, But we see Ralph just completely unravel after the death of his mother. Um, and we find out that she had some mental illness that she potentially passed on to Ralph. And so Abby's sort of having to grapple with their almost like perfect life falling apart in this instant and basically the plot of the book going forward is that Ralph goes a little crazy and is convinced that his mother is back from the dead as a ghost living in the basement that's the premise of the story And Abby at first is trying to decide whether she believes it or not. And then when she does make a decision, everything starts to just move forward from there until we get to the big climax at the end of the book. That's also why I said, I'm not really sure, do I categorize this as supernatural or do I categorize this as psychological? I have not made a decision on whether or not I think everything was all in everybody's heads. And it's like more so like a manifestation the ghost the demon is a manifestation of grief and trauma than it is an actual like entity but it really could go either way and it's really cool either way so with that being said I will jump right into my rating scale here for readability I gave this book an 8.5 I did not want to put this book down it was so interesting um it was one of those books where I was still low-key like thinking about it when I wasn't reading it but I will say I read this very quick like I think Marissa you said you read yours in like three days like I probably read mine in about also about three days it's a pretty quick read too it's only like 250 pages so certainly not a one sitting read but it's definitely something that you could like bang out in a weekend uh and have a lot of fun doing so four Language and style. I gave this book a nine. I love Ainsley Hogarth's writing. It's also should be noted that she has two other books: "The Lonely" and "The Boy Meets Girl Massacre" (parentheses annotated). Um, that I now want to read because her writing style is just super fucking weird, and I love it. Um, but let me see because I bookmarked one. Um, page that I think shows a really good example of her writing without giving anything away about the plot. Here we go. I'm Abigail. I work with your mother. We have met before, actually. I stick my hand out over Mrs. Bondi. Janet picks it up and drops it like a used tissue. Her eyes are big and wander in their sockets like a tiny school dog. Her lips artificially plump and pink and glossy as raw poultry, barely move when she speaks. I'm bubbling inside, fizzing up like a just poured cooler, so jealous it's boiling my guts. Touching Janet's powdery hand has excavated even more of my jellied salmon insides. The parts of me that want to grab her arms, pull them behind her, kick her straight out the door, bloodied stump arms still in my hands, beat her to death with them in the hallway, run out the front door with them, still flailing, terrify the parking lot pigeons so they whoosh up and take me with them." What the hell? Incredible. And all the writing is like that. It's very weird. The imagery is weird. The metaphors are and similes are weird. Uh, it's very visceral. And it's horrific, which is good because this book is not scary like, I feel like a lot of times we talk about horror on this podcast, and I've actually read a lot of books for the podcast, where the horror is scaring the shit out of me, like, I'm scared. This book wasn't scary like that. But between the writing and just the overall concept, you're like, what the fuck is going on? And I like that kind of horror. I think it's fun. Um, it's horror that doesn't take too much from you because it's not like scaring you literally every five seconds uh so that's something to think about too if you're somebody that's like not really sure about horror this isn't like jump scare horror for form i gave this book a nine this is some of the most interesting form i've seen in a book in a really long time and it is all because the regular form of the book is is pretty normal But whenever she has a flashback, either a flashback or an imagined scenario, it goes into a play format. So weird. And I can see why she did it, right? Because it's from the first person perspective, it's from the first person present perspective. So if we're having a flashback or we're having a scenario that's like, never actually happened and might not be going to happen shouldn't we be picturing it through Abby's head not like we're like listening to Abby tell us about it so the play format makes perfect sense but I've never seen somebody else do that and I think it's really cool so it'll have these scenes where um it's the dialogue is in the play format and then we also get abby's we get the setting in the description of like when you see the description of a scene in a play and we also get like you know when there's notes for a character in the play so it'll be like a note for whoever's playing hamlet saying this is how he should be like looking like this is what he's thinking about it'll have that for abby as well when it's in the play format that's super cool there's some other really cool form moments in this book as well that like are much harder to describe. And you really just got to see it to believe it. Um, but it'll be like interesting things happening with Italics um, And I don't know. It's just weird. like there's this whole part where like she's trying to communicate what somebody sounds like when they're like shivering. So she puts it in italics and then puts, like, the parentheses around it for, like, the pauses that you do when you're, like, shivering. Very weird. Like, you can tell this is a person who wants you to feel the writing while you're reading it and not just be reading the words for the story, which I love. For shelfworthiness, I gave this book an eight. I'm definitely keeping it. I think I would definitely read it again. I thought it was amazing. It's a book you can definitely learn from. Um, I definitely would suggest going out and getting this book if you're at all interested in what we've been talking about this episode. For the plot, I gave it an 8.5. Like I said, it is like almost like even if it's supernatural, right? It is very much psychological horror. It's a very strange horror, and that's my favorite kind of horror. The mother aspects of it, the mother horror aspects of it are very clear and interesting as well. So on the one hand, we have Ralph who's grappling with the loss of his mother who was a bad mother. And we have Abby who always wanted a good mother, but didn't have one. And we have Laura who was a mother. Now she's like a ghost back from the dead to continue to wreak havoc on this family. Then we also have Abby who always wanted to be a mother and is kind of going crazy with the idea of wanting to be pregnant in order to fix her husband. And like, there's a lot of weird imagery about her wanting the baby to like root inside of her. And that's super weird. But the other weird mother thing is we have a parallel mother who is Mrs. Bondi, who is the woman. So Abby's a nurse for like a home, like a nursing home. And Mrs. Bondi is one of her patients. And so Mrs. Bondi is a woman who has a daughter. So Mrs. Bondi is a mother but she's so old and at this point kind of demented that Abby has sort of convinced herself that Mrs. Bondi is her baby. So instead of creating a mother figure with Mrs. Bondi and having like a, oh, this old woman, you can be my mom because I had a bad mom and my husband lost his bad mom and now he's crazy. She's like, oh, Mrs. Bondi, you're my baby. She makes this old woman her baby. And she says it several times. She acts like it. And it's super weird. Like, it's like, it almost is grotesque because of how much it flips something on its head to make an old woman a baby. It's just weird. And I love it. It's it's. I think grotesque was a good word to describe this book. Like, you're just like, what the shit is going on? Like, I feel weird reading this um so that's a little bit more about the plot for you uh, 8.5 for that really delicious delectable uh in a horrific way and last but not least characterization I gave it an eight uh you're with Abby for the entirety of the book her character every even if you're like this is weird as shit and I don't really know like I surely have never experienced anything like this everything she does does make sense um, and you're sort of appalled by the other people in the book, like her husband, like you, you're reading what he's doing and what he's saying. And you're like, what the shit? And all the other characters, like, you know, how sometimes you read a book that's starring a woman, a horror book that's starring a woman. And you're like, oh, no, like, everybody thinks she's crazy, but, like, she's not crazy. Like, you th- Rosemary's Baby, right? Classic, classic. Like, we know she's not crazy, right? Like, like all these people around her are just weird. Like, this has a very similar vibe to that, but it also makes you realize how easy it would be to go crazy when the people around you are doing weird shit. Like, no wonder you, like, start to fucking spiral out of control. Like, I think a lot of times, too, like, we put too much on the shoulders of the final girl. Because we're like, you got to get out of there, girl. And sometimes you can't get out of there, girl. You just can't. And it's okay. And that's sort of how I feel about Abby. Like, she's trying to fix this situation, and she's doing some crazy stuff to do it. And I'm like, hey, you're trying your best. Like, <laughs> As much as I want you to just hightail it out of there, uh, I know low key that now it's like past the point of no return for you to do that. So it's just interesting to see a character where you can't root for them to run in the same, because of the circumstances and the way the author is creating the narrative. You can't root for them to run. You have to just follow them with what their gut is telling them to do and what their brain is telling them to do. And like weird stuff's gonna happen. Like that's a different type of horror, I think. Like even like mids, like you can relate to like midsummer, right? Like she could have just got out of there, right? That's what would happen in a normal horror movie. Uh not what happens like sometimes you just gotta go along with it yeah this book was weird I loved it I loved everything about it um definitely definitely an allegory for grief and trauma having to do with mothers but also you can just read it and an allegory from, like, mental illness. But you could also just read it as Supernatural and just have, like, a really fun time with it. Like, it's super weird, super good. I can see why it kind of popped off on Book talk for a minute. And I think it should pop off on Book talk again. And that's Mother Thing by Ainsley Hogarth.
0: I love when people do things that are weird and different. Me too, bitch. Why can't more people do that? Everybody, just write weird books, please. The weirdest things you can think of. Let us have it. Let us
1: have it. We love weird books. We love them. Hey, Marissa. Yeah. What's next week? Next week is Obsession. Obsession. Which also usually lends itself to horror, doesn't it? It do. Um, I'm reading a book called Idle Burning by Rin Usami, which is Japanese fiction. We know it'll be weird because Japanese fiction always gets pretty weird. And that's why we love Japanese fiction. Um, So this book is about a young girl who becomes obsessed with a J-pop star. And it's psychological horror.
0: I was gonna read Animal by Lisa. I don't know how to say her last name. I think it's Tadio. Yeah, maybe. Um, but I I think I want to talk about a book that I read like a month ago. Um, Gone to See the River Man by Christopher Triana. Hell yeah! It's super friggin' weird. So I think I really want to talk about that one,
1: and we will save Animal for another time. Another if- way. Gone to See the Riverman was also having a moment on um, Book Talk, right? Yes. Yeah. I'm excited to learn about that book. It is wild. You are not
0: ready. I know. I'm kind of scared. <laughs> this one, that, yeah. Yeah. Yes.
1: But yeah, folks, we have the whole rest of the season planned out for y'all now. Um, so get ready to stick with us from next week all the way to the first week of May. We've got some good kush coming your way.
0: It's fun.
1: It's going to be fun. It's going to be a good time.
0: And we love you.
1: We love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.